The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz Ingrassi and Ed McLoon. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Hello, this is Raz Ingrassi with the Hoffman Institute. We're coming to you from Northern California. Our co-host, Ed McClune, Hoffman teacher and therapist, is also with us. And the Hoffman Institute this year is celebrating 45 years as a leading personal development program all around the world. We're in 16, well, we're in 16 sites across uh, 11 countries and have helped over 90,000 people with profound personal change. The Hoffman Process, our most well-known program, is an amazing eight-day retreat of personal development and discovery. And, uh, Ed, do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Well, yes, Raz, thanks very much. And we have a few technical difficulties this afternoon. Uh, so Raz is on phone. I've got the Skype going here, and he'll introduce our guest in just a second. I am a Hoffman teacher. been teaching the process for 20 years and a family therapist in Northern California as well. And our goal here with the Hoffman Connection is to bring you tools to live a life you love by connecting you with uh, some guests who really have a lot of information and to uh, share with us and are certainly living a life they're connected to. And um, before we do introduce today's guest, Raz does that, I want to also let you know that if you're interested in the Hoffman process, you can find out more about our work by going to hoffmaninstitute.com. Org. And also on our website, there's uh, information about a free and confidential introduction call every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. California time. So you can call in if you're listening live this afternoon, right after our show, or any Tuesday afternoon at 5. And again, that information is live on our website at hoffmaninstitute.org. And one last thing, as part of our nonprofit organization fundraising, we have a free summer picnic open to the public at our um, retreat site in St. Helena, California, and we are doing a fundraising there for a uh, Volkswagen Beetle. So we'll talk more about that uh, throughout the show as well. Now to introduce this afternoon's guest, throw it back to you, Raz. Thank you. Um well, you know, we're all watching, or many of us are watching the Olympics in London these days, and we see what it means to be a high-performance athlete. Stephen Josephs is a coach of high-performance people who happen to be business people. He's an executive coach. And Stephen has spent probably over 40, 45 years studying on numerous spiritual disciplines, yoga, Aikido, Tai Chi, Qigong, meditation. He's also a highly accomplished classical guitarist. And 
Uh, of course, he studied psychology and transformational methods and all of that. But really, what he's looking at now, I, I would say, is you know, I mean, I mean, I, I would think of I think of Stephen Josephs as a spiritual teacher who works in the world of work and uh, has somehow gleaned these spiritual lessons and has learned how to empower people who are on, on a high stakes game to um, to find a spiritual path through it all. So. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Raz. And I guess the big question for me is, why did you become a, an executive coach? What led <laughs> you to that? Well, I think, you know, I was interested in spiritual development first, but I also grew up in a business family. My father was a, a wholesale liquor distributor in Worcester, Massachusetts, and I used to listen to his stories all the time, but I thought I was doing something that was kind of unique and better by following some spiritual path. And uh, that took me into, I, I uh, ran an ashram, uh, which is a place where people do yoga. It's a residential community. There are about 95 members of this in Boston, and I, I did that for 12 years. But I, I came to realize that that kind of reclusive life is sort of where the rubber meets the sky, and I wanted to be more where the rubber meets the road, mm-hmm. and so I, I thought that it was a real testament to whether people could actually live according to their spiritual principles and keep their awareness sharpened in the world of business, where there are a lot of things tearing you in different directions. So, you know, what principles are at work when we... Uh when we learn easily and we can change, because work and being an executive uh, includes a very personal path. Would you say that's true? And, and how you, you know, in other words, growing yeah. inwardly as well as outward performance, is that how you tend to look at Yeah, coaching? it is. Um, you know, when I, um, my co-author Bill Joyner and I wrote a book called Leadership Agility, and in it we looked at adult stages of psychological development and how being at one stage or another, as you progress, makes uh, a leader, uh, it increases their capacities as far as uh, their ability to lead. And we wrote the book as uh, sort of a, a return on investment sale for developing your consciousness, because as leaders get more aware, uh, they have more empathy. They can, um, they can connect with other people better. And I'll give you an example in a minute, but sometimes uh, in business we run into uh, the world of enemies. Not everybody is our friend, and we have political enemies. And the question is, how do you, how do you deal with that? And how do you deal with it? <laughs> <laughs> well, one way you deal with it, let's imagine that you're at the highest stage of development and that what you have the capacity to do now is to drop into a state of, uh, it's not really in a state, it's, it's the realization that, uh, that we're all in one gigantic field um, working with each other. And so the idea that this other self, other being out there that's trying to do you in is uh, different from you can make you feel really isolated, but... Um, in preparation for talking to somebody like that, um, just imagine the following exercise. Uh, 
what okay. you would do is you would um, quiet down and use any meditation technique that you want to do that. And then imagine that you were behaving like your enemy. And then at that point, you ask yourself, well, what are the emotions that would be in me that were driving me to do those kinds of things? And what you do is you find that in yourself. And then you open up into a really big space that can hold that and appreciate and love it as part of the human experience. And what that does for you is it calms you down and it, it dispels the illusion that you're a victim and you're good and the other person is bad. Um, you know, in Lao Tzu's poetry, it says, a good man, before he can help a bad man, finds in himself the matter with the bad man. And so, in some circumstances, you might find yourself acting a little like your enemy is acting right now. So, if you can embrace all that, you know, then um, it, it makes you less reactive to that person and therefore much more agile and much more capable of dealing with that person rather than being at a place where you feel victimized and kind of shoved into a corner. All right. Well, that sounds very good, like good advice we can all follow, but I've never heard it quite, you know, run down just like that, that imagine you were um, behaving like the other person and then noticing what emotions would be driving that and find them in yourself. It's a, it, it, it sounds to me like a practice of finding compassion for another person and for yourself and yes. that operating from compassion is, is kind of the opening here. Yeah, it is. It is. And that there, there really is no separation. But then you're back in the world of business, you know, uh, bare knuckles and elbows. <laughs> you know, so, so I think that business is, is really the ultimate place to develop yourself like that. It's, uh, you have other challenges when you're sitting uh, alone and trying to meditate. There, there are plenty of challenges there, too. But to, to actually open your heart, and act compassionately and effectively. That's the important thing. And business is the real test. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, you know, I compared at the beginning uh, an executive coach to an Olympic coach, but I can see that it's different, and it's really different because it's one thing to come up with peak performance. It's another thing to be skillful at uh, managing yourself and others to optimize the possibility of, of, of coordinated action together uh, without having too much interference. Right, right. So when, when uh, Bill and I wrote Leadership Agility, it begged the question, which is, how would a coach work with someone uh, to actually evolve them when they're in you know, these crises? And in the book Dragons at Work, which is the one that uh, I'm publishing now, Dragons at Work is about a real live executive who's kind of a type A personality and uh, because he's taken on a project that's too big for his command and control style to really succeed in, um, you know, now he's, he's not sleeping at night, he's yelling at people and uh, the question is how can you evolve a person uh, 
who's in that state of mind to be much more sophisticated. And this guy has an internal enemy inside the corporation who's trying to get him fired. And the question uh, in the book is, how can our hero behave in a way that's both effective and uh, compassionate and aware? And he does. It's because he has a great coach, and uh, she helps him a lot. Fantastic. We're going we're gonna, to uh, step in, Raz, to uh, take a break in just a minute here um, on the Hoffman Connection. We invite any participation with our guest, Stephen Josephs, this afternoon. If you'd like to call in this afternoon at one 866 And we'll be right back with more on the Hoffman Connection. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McLoon, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. And welcome back to the Hoffman Connection with Raz and Grossi. I'm Ed McLoon with our guest, Stephen Josephs. And Stephen, I, I see that something, a big influence on the formation of your thinking and then on your work are martial arts, Aikido, Tai Chi, Qigong. Can you say a little bit about how your work in those more body-centered practices has influenced your work personally and then how that shows up in the work you're doing with leaders now? Well, I think I started with yoga, and the reason that I started with that is I was uh, trying to be a performing classical guitarist, and I used to get nervous before I performed, and I heard that Yehudi Menuhin used to stand on his head before he gave concerts, so I thought, well, if it's good enough for Yehudi, it's good enough for me. 
And uh, so in 1965, I, I began studying yoga, and I've had a daily practice of various things, um, you know, two, three hours a day ever since. And I can say that I, I really n- never miss a day. You know, maybe every other year I miss a day or something like that. But um, So it's been very important to me. And how it integrates into some of these things is, uh, for instance, uh, there are a lot of people who, <laughs> I remember giving a lecture one time and uh, I was talking to a bunch of engineers and talking about intuitive responses. And they all said, hey, look, we're engineers. We don't, you know, basically we're brains on a stick. We don't feel anything in our body. Um, and then I, I put this right triangle up on the board, you know, which is supposed to be three, four, five inches you know, five across the hypotenuse, and instead of five, I put a six. I said, does that feel wrong? And they said, yeah, it does feel wrong. So the idea is how do your feelings influence your decisions and how can you be better at reading them? So, for instance, there's this Iowa, um, I forget what it's called, but it's this uh, psychologist did a study where people were reaching out for decks of cards and they, they turned... Uh, cards over, um, and their aim was to to pick winning cards, but some of the decks were stacked against them, and uh, most of the uh, participants in this were able to discover that, say, you know, the second deck was a bad deck, but that was after 40 tries, but after 10 tries, when they reached their hand, towards picking that deck, they actually um, uh, felt stress as measured by galvanic skin response. So the, the question is, how can you get body signals that uh, are already there that are informing you uh, about what your unconscious knows, but your conscious mind hasn't yet figured out? And so there are methods of doing this, and and... Um, but all these martial arts and qigong and meditation really help you with that. So, uh, for instance, when I was talking about that last exercise where you're trying to feel what, what you might feel if you were behaving uh, badly the way your enemy is, you know, what emotions would be driving that. So how do you feel that in yourself? Well, you get your body very quiet, and then... What you do is you feel sensations. So let's say right now I'm feeling something in my solar plexus. And then what I do is I, I, I put my awareness into that area of my body. And then I let it, I let the energy of it, um, feel like it's going to move my body. Like what do I feel like doing as a result of feeling these sensations? And what is it expressing? And if I moved it to my face, and let it move my facial expressions around, what facial expression would I have that expresses the tension in my solar plexus? And you can actually do that. And then it's very easy to read your face from the inside. And if you do that, then that's uh, a cure for a lot of people who can't uh, contact their internal states and have no idea what they're feeling. So that's uh, a basic fundamental lesson that if you know how to do that, you're better at making decisions. 
at understanding your intuition and you're a better um, you know, psychotherapy patient, better learner from your experience. Right, because you're not just thinking about walking in the person's shoes, but almost sensing it and feeling your way into what Raz yeah. was calling compassion. Yes, exactly. And you could even, you know, I, I, with some people you can do this. You can ask them to get up and dance it, embody it. Right. You know, the, um, the, there's a word, uh, aesthetic. So I got my doctorate in aesthetics and education. That's how to teach anything through art, music, drama, and dance. And what's really cool about that is the antonym, the word that means the exact opposite from aesthetic is anesthetic. So the question is, how do you become unanesthetized? How do you become awake? And the practice is at least one of the practices are um, tuning into your body in these various ways, including that sort of the enemy exercise you were just talking about, yeah. Stephen. Yeah, because people spend a lot of time trying not to have certain emotional experiences. And uh, that's how they get fooled in life. And, you know, so we're, we're all foolish now and then, and we're all, um, you know... We all experience things that are no fun, but what most people do is they ricochet off those feelings instead of being able to be with them and learn from them and embrace them and get big, big enough so that they can hold that experience. So no one wants to feel afraid, afraid of being abandoned, afraid of dying. No, nobody wants to feel that stuff, but it's a great practice to, to feel it mm-hmm. so that you... Uh, get used to it and uh, not only inoculate yourself to the experience of it, but also develop your consciousness that's big enough that it can hold that and every other feeling just as well. Right. So, Stephen, you're using this word practice, which I think differentiates from a technique. Yeah. In that a technique would be something you do under a certain occasion. A practice is preparation, so you're training to not need the technique in the moment in a certain way. Is that right? Yeah, so is this- I think, um, I, 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 think I, I like that distinction. I, I hadn't thought of it that way before. Um, I, I think that all situations are uh, sort of portals to experience and, and good practice. So I think that you're practicing all the time. But uh, the way you just said it is also very lovely as well. So then, in in someone you're coaching, would something like the uh, the experience you just uh, you know gave us be something that someone would take home with them to um, you know get better experience of it, a coachee, so that when in the heat of the battle they could feel the sensations of the person they were judging as an enemy. Right, right. Well, in Dragons at Work, for instance, our hero. Uh, goes to a, a Tai Chi lesson. Our, uh, the, the coach, who's a 40-year-old Chinese woman, lives with her grandfather, who's this Tai Chi expert. So he gets curious, our hero Dan, and he goes to the park, and he gets his mind blown by the old man, uh, just the old man's abilities, physical abilities. And so then he goes home to practice some of those um, principles 
and uh, listening to his wife. But because of their marriage, uh, there's about a dozen years of uh, deferred maintenance, as we say in the real estate trade, in their marriage. So when he asks her, uh, to to talk about what matters to her, she just unloads on him, and <laughs> yeah. and that's good practice, you know. But he he in that particular scene, he manages to hold it together. But if you read Dragons at Work, uh, there are many other scenes where he doesn't hold it together, and uh, that's what makes it fun to read because he's like the rest of us. That's so beautiful. It's a, so it's like an allegorical teaching, and what a fine way for us all to learn and grow. Yeah, well, it's it, it's fun. Um, and people, by the way, can go to dragonsatwork.com and uh, just sign up to get the chapters delivered to their mailbox for free. And uh, after a while, we'll also have it on uh, Amazon Kindle as well, also for free. Oh, great. I look forward to uh, catching up or, or beginning that journey in, in, the, in the book, Dragons at Work. Um, I think we can um, stop here to take another break and um, let everyone know we're listening to the Hoffman Connection. It's part of the work of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. If you want to learn more about our work, uh, we're available online, but then who isn't, right? HoffmanInstitute.org is our website, and there, if you go there this afternoon, you can uh, hit a link, a button, that will lead you to more information about a free confidential um, introduction call that is available to you every Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock Pacific time. And as a nonprofit organization, we um, raise funds to do a lot of different things, including offer scholarships to our courses. And this year, we've got our annual Hoffman Picnic on August 18th in St. Helena, and that's open to the public to come find out more. And it's part of our fundraiser. We do a raffle there towards for the scholarship fund. You can learn more about that raffle, which includes, uh, I think, a lease of a Volkswagen Beetle this year. All that information is also available on our website, hoffmaninstitute.org. Our guest is Stephen Josephs, and we will be learning much more from him in just a minute or two here on the Hoffman Connection. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? 
For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to the Hoffman Connection. Um, Just offline, Stephen, we were talking about how sometimes some of the best personal growth books are fiction or you know good literature and you've written now in, in both modalities written very directive books on leadership and other things and it, what was it about this time that inspired you to take a different um, more fictional um, tack with dragons at work well i had uh, a couple of things one is i think as a vehicle for teaching there's nothing better than stories and uh, that's how we learn stuff we're wired for that so um, leadership agility uh, was you know a very thorough book uh, almost a textbook on human development as applied to the world of business and then I wanted to write what it's really like the nuts and bolts of how uh, development actually happens and evolution actually happens but you can't you can't use that by just describing methods. And so, um, you know, there we have a story which I think everyone can relate to, uh, being overwhelmed, overworked, uptight. And, uh, you know, a lot of us uh, can run on that kind of juice from time to time. Or constantly in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I want to tell you a story. I, a long time ago, I went out as maybe 25 years ago, something like that, 30 years ago, I I went out to lunch with a guy who was very, very successful. He was an author and a speaker. And uh, he said um, that every time he joined an organization, no matter what it was, he, and these are nonprofits, he would end up being president of that organization, no matter what, inside of a year. So this puzzled him, and, you know, he, we were talking about it, and I said, well, do you want to find out why? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, just imagine that um, you were about to walk into a room full of people in a new organization you're joining. You're going to walk in for the first time and meet them. What's the first thing that, that you do? And in looking at him, he looked up and left for just a, a flash of a moment. And he said, well, you know, I walk in, I give people my business cards, I, I shake hands, I introduce myself, I try to learn about them. And I said, you know, you looked up and left just before you said that. I, I wonder if you could do that right now and tell me what you experienced. 
So he looks up and left, and then his face just drops, and he said, oh, my God, there's a picture there. There's a picture of my father in Lebanon, and he's dying because we have no money for medicine and no money for food, and we're living in a hut with a dirt floor. So I said, well, if you had to you know, write something under that picture that captured its meaning for you, what would it be? And he said, this will never happen to me. Wow. And so here he is, his unconscious mind conjures for him this uh, sort of like as desperate as you can get, a desperate scene. And he's not even aware of that, but that's what his mind is thinking about. You know, I'm going to meet those people and introduce myself and make a connection because this will never happen to me. And this guy, you know, skyrocketed to success. And, um, but the interesting thing is that he had gotten to a place where he was self-aware enough so that this kind of information from his unconscious was right, you know, to mix a metaphor at the tip of his tongue, and he could access it, which says to me that he's willing, ready, to uh, embrace it and uh, love it, you know, and, and incorporate it and move on. So it's kind of like the compost theory of uh, personal evolution. You know, <laughs> there's well, stuff Steve, that Steve, actually... I mean, that, that, that brings up a question for me. Uh, a lot of high-performance executives are driven by a fear of one way or another of saying that's never going to happen to me or I don't want to be poor or I, you know, I, they're, they're being propelled right. away from some negative thing. And when they, <clears throat> when they lose that, yeah. does that take away their drive? What happens? Well, uh, a lot of times they're afraid of that. You know, that um, it's sort of like that story of, of the young man who reports into sick bay after two weeks of, being in the army, and he goes to the doctor and he says, uh, my fire went out. Well, really what happened was it was the first time he didn't have heartburn from eating his mother's cooking. <laughs> right. Um, and people are afraid that, you know, their fire is going to go out in, in some way. I think what happens is that all the skills you developed, even though they were mechanisms for compensating for lots of things, they become... Uh, they, they're still resident and operating, but the, the consciousness that makes decisions about how to use all those magnificent skills uh, is much more aware. And so you're not doing things out of desperation anymore. You're doing them out of choice. And um, so I know when people take the Hoffman process, you know, the, um, they, they meet a lot of those stories like the ones I just described, you know, are really deep, compelling stories that are central. And, um, you know, then they, they sort of renegotiate, recraft, uh, reimagine what's worth doing. And I think that's why the Hoffman process is so, so great and so effective, is it gives you a chance to really sit with that stuff and, uh, and use it. So when you find a if you will, higher purpose or a greater meaning, you don't lose the skill set. You still have the skill set, only right. now you can deploy it for uh, 
for purposes other than than being driven by fear. Yes, that's beautifully said. I what, what what tell me some examples if you have them of uh, being you know a person. Let's imagine that a person changes that motivation. That motivation shifts inside, but they're still in the same um, environment. Yeah, sort of like you're a hero in Dragons at Work. But now he's able to be there in a whole new way. Is that the idea? Yes, that's exactly it. And then what you know, what what you were kind of uh, getting to, at least in my listening to your question, is um, a lot of times people around you um, expect you to be the same old way, and even though you may be acting differently, uh, they may be. Uh, you know, we're wired to respond to each other in reciprocal roles. So, so they've they've learned to expect certain things from you, and they act as though that's true, even when it's not. And so that's that's often one of the challenges that people face in reintegrating after doing uh, you know some deep work. And that's why you know getting back to the Hoffman process, why I like. So many of those processes where you reconnect with people where it's appropriate and uh, and and bring them up to date. You know, I, I think that that really helps. And sometimes, uh, you know, there are some deep feelings on both sides and apologies back and forth and a recommitment to something deeper. And that way, once you do that, your whole social network supports the new self that's that's beginning to emerge. Wonderful. And so what, I, what I'm listening to here is the opportunity to retain that highly refined, high-performance, shall we call it, skill set. Yeah. A. B. Um, disconnected from the survival motivator that was driving it, and then by going inward, and then also by going inward, find the deeper, more powerful, or more pure uh, life-centered, holistic uh, motivation. Uh, in other words, um, your deepest passion, shall we say, or what really yeah. lights you up, and connect your skill set with your deepest passion and have a different kind of life. Yes, 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 absolutely. And that's what you're offering, isn't it, Stephen? Well, yes, I think that's what we're all offering here, but um, the, the way I do it in a business context is um, often, you know, what an executive coach sometimes does is, uh, so if I were coaching you, you know, I might go into your organization and and uh, interview people who are your peers, uh, your superiors, board members, etc., direct reports, and um, the process of doing that interview is really important because it it gives everybody it it gives the the person who's being coached and the coach all these multiple points of view, and then something really emerges. Um, about how that person is held by the group. Um, but then the second part of it is just by virtue of doing those interviews, these other people are now engaged. And so once, once the, the, the person who's being coached goes back to everybody and says, look, thank you very much for saying what you said, and I'm taking all this to heart, and I'd like to have a conversation about how we can improve our working relationship. And that's a way that helps transform those relationships. Wonderful. Um, I guess I also have a question about uh, at what point 
do we know that the evolutionary step, the transformation, is not to work it out with it, with one another, but to separate or to move on? Um, and how do you discern those part, those things? Yeah. Well, you know, I I, th- I think that requires some some reflection. But I, I think the the main inquiry or the main question that can help you sort it out is is my relationship uh, with this other person uh, furthering us in some very positive way? So, you know, the, uh, J. L. Moreno, who's the guy who invented psychodrama, had a saying that the self emerges in roles. So if, if you and I are in a role together, um, you know, yeah, I, say you're my boss and I'm a subordinate and we're in this role uh, relationship, then uh, that puts demands on both of us, um, you know, to be at our best, or it can. Right. And that's how role relationships draw out people's best work, people's best self. But but the other can be true, that instead of the self emerging through roles, it can be submerged in roles. So these are people who hide inside a role and don't show up authentically. And the role, uh, you know, helps them hide. Uh, mm. and, and so if you look at your role and you say, well, um, you know, who has to show up to be in that role? So, for instance, I was a spiritual teacher in an ashram. And uh, after a while, uh, my guru, who, uh, you know, I won't say his name, but um, I could no longer recommend him to anyone. And I could no longer recommend the spiritual practices that we did because I found ones that worked a whole lot better for me. And so I found myself where I had grown straight out of my role, and it was no longer appropriate that I be in that role, but I had to show up and pretend to uh, sort of embody the behaviors that were required by the role, and that was just pure agony. Wow! So that's a that's a that's a powerful discernment uh, there about that self emerges as roles, but it can also be hidden in roles. Yeah. And so is this role. A role of um, uh, a place where I'm hiding, or a place where I'm sh- where I'm emerging and right. growing. Right, right, and that's, and that's not always obvious. So you really have to look deeply within. Yeah, especially when people get working, as so often happens in today's world, they get wrapped up in a in a paycheck that you know is paying the mortgage and putting their kids through school and everything like that, and suddenly realizing that hey, this is not me. It's pretty hard to walk away from it, isn't it? It is, because you have role conflicts. One, one part of you is saying, I have a role as a father, a husband, a provider, or a mother, a wife, provider, whatever it is, and I can't just walk away because uh, I, I have mouths to feed and kids to nurture. On the other hand, um, you know, who are they going to look at, at uh, when they get to be 16 years old and or 20 or 30, and they look, or, and there was this parent who sacrificed everything and became a ghost. 
So that's where the dragons that where you're being eaten by the dragons. <laughs> well, yeah, the dragons you know, at work are making a making a lunch out of you. <laughs> exactly. There there are two kinds of dragons. You know, there there are the medieval dragons. They're the ones that uh, that you have to go out and slay because they're supposed to be bad. But this book is about. It looks like it may be about that because our hero has an enemy. But in the Chinese tradition, the dragon is. Um, you know, a creature of great wonder and wisdom, and also not to be trifled with. He's dangerous, and and uh, so when you meditate, you know, you're going into the mouth of the dragon. And the saying is, from the tradition I come from, uh, he will bite you. There's no question about it. You're not coming away unscathed. Nobody leaves this life alive. Um, <laughs> You know, you have to face all. This that. is a powerful idea that you're meditating by entering the mouth, mouth of the dragon, and he will bite you. Yeah, he will. Wow. We're here on the Hoffman connection, and we'll um, just pause there to digest that point and come back with our guest Stephen Josephs. Um, and you can learn much more about his work and some of the wisdom that yeah, that he's uh, bringing us at the website Dragon. Work.com. We'll be right back with more on the Hoffman Connection. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. one 472 5787 That's it. That's it. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at HoffmanInstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit HoffmanInstitute.org. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. This is Raz and Grossi. We're back with Stephen Josephs and Ed McClune. And Stephen, this last thing you were talking about is just so fascinating about entering that you meditate by entering the mouth of the dragon and he will bite you. Uh, it, it reminded me of something I heard 
Joseph Campbell say he was being interviewed by Bill Moyers. It was sort of the end of a whole series of interviews, and Moyers said to him something like, um, "Well, Joseph, how do you, how do you feel about being known for the popular slogan, follow your bliss?' That every all your life's work is being boiled down to that one phrase." And uh, Campbell thought for a few seconds, and he said, "You know the root." of the word bliss is the French word blessure, which means wound. He said, so what I mean is follow your wound. And uh, there's something really wise about that, you know, following your woundedness, following what's disturbing you, following that, uh, that as, your, uh, as a thread into your deepest self. Uh, I just felt like I wanted to share that with you. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> now so- tell us, though, about the, um, the coach. And oh, yeah. the coach is, uh, in, is the one who's uh, you know, uh, guiding others. But where does the coach go for his coaching? And uh, you know, you've got these practices, and you do them a couple of hours every day. Um, what else do you do to, to um, you know, when, when you feel you need to go deeper? What do you follow? Where do you look? Yeah. Well, in the book, um, this wonderful Tai Chi master woman, um, you know, who's been so wise throughout the whole book. Um, she has uh, dinner with the hero of the book, Dan, and uh, she says in the middle of their dinner conversation that she's just come back from the Hoffman process. Huh. And the reason that I put that in there was um, because that was true for me. You know, I, I've done all this stuff for uh, 48 years now, and uh, because I have known and respected Raz for so long and I have also seen people come back from the Hoffman process and, and just uh, illuminated, I think incandescent is probably the better word, and uh, so happy and so transformed in, in ways that um, were palpable. And so uh, I'd, I thought I would go myself, you know, uh, just to find out what it was like. And um, I thought going into it, oh, really, you know, I've been through all this stuff and uh, I've taken a good look at myself. But to dedicate those eight days in the hands of such expert facilitators and teachers was uh, truly transformational for me. And so what I wanted to do, and I was able to visit all the things in my early existence that felt uh, like I had, you know, processed them. I have little air quotes around process. Um, but, you know, I, I hadn't gone in as, as deeply as I could have. So to take that time and dedicate it to really revisiting and healing was uh, profound. So in this book, you know, we have our uh, Michelle, who's the coach, and she says... Um, you know, when she was in China, that uh, her parents were taken away and, quote, re-educated during the Cultural Revolution. She never saw them again. So even though she understood that they didn't willfully uh, abandon her, she felt abandoned and betrayed. But she couldn't feel, um, you know, she, she couldn't resent her parents, but actually she did. And so uh, to deal with that and the complexity of it uh, was, you know, what's portrayed in the book. But 
you know, that's what happens in the Hoffman process. You go uh, visit those complex things and, and really let them uh, unravel so that they, they're, they're not a mystery or a curse anymore. Step it's into very, the paradox and yeah. the mystery of it all and um, find yourself in the middle of there. Yeah, that. yeah. So good. That so I want to thank you guys for your continued work. I, I think you're making the world a lot better place because of it. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to have it. So you can look, we can all look up uh, Stephen Joseph's work by going to www.dragonsatwork.com. Isn't that right? That's Stephen? right. And, and pretty soon there will be a stephenjoseph.com site as well. And you can download, uh, how many chapters are there in the book? How many are downloadable at this point? Uh, there are 52 chapters. You can download them all, or you can simply sign up, which is uh, probably another good way. And every, uh, every other day you'll get a little chapter, a link to a chapter in your mailbox, and you can go see them. Um, and there's also, I might add, uh, some of the, there, there's poetry from Lao Tzu, in there, and it's set to music as as song, so it's just a, another thing about it that's fun. And the chapters are also illustrated, so it's uh, I like to say to people, it's the only leadership development comic book you'll ever see. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen, uh, I just want to let everyone know that you are a wonderful musician, a great classical guitarist, uh, and I've been there when you played, you disappear into the magic of of Bach or whatever you're playing, and uh, it's beautiful to witness that as well. And uh, I, I must imagine that's just an incredible and sacred meditation for you. Oh, it's great! It's uh, playing Bach is one of my favorite things, mm. and now I'm starting to move into jazz as well. So I don't know. I love it. I um, it's just part of being alive and expressing beauty. A well-rounded life. <laughs> that's wonderful, Stephen. How old are your kids? Uh, I have a 39-year-old son, uh-huh. and uh, he has, uh, he's a restaurateur uh, in New York City. Right. He has uh, a restaurant in Brooklyn called uh, Char Number no. 4, and he's just opening another one in Manhattan called Maysville, and uh, he's, he's just in great shape. But, you know, after doing Hoffman process, our, our whole family got better. And, uh, and we got just tighter and more dedicated to each other. And, uh, and then my wife, Alice, went to it, and things uh, improved exponentially. And I, mean, I, I know that. There's room for improvement in Alice. I can't believe it. <laughs> All right, All right you guys. It's time for us to end the show. Uh, thank you so much, Stephen Josephs, for the inspiration, the thought, the wisdom of, uh, of your many years of doing the work and what you've brought to us this hour. It's been really, really good. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to visit with you guys. Next week, we'll be talking with Dr. Bruce Price, head doctor at uh, the McLean's Hospital neuropsychiatric hospital. He's be talking about brain science and uh, what we're learning about the brain. And if you'd like to find out more about our work, the Hoffman Process, um, please feel free to look at our website, hoffmaninstitute.org. Plenty of information there, as well as information about 
a free confidential weekly introduction call that's held 5 o'clock Pacific time every Tuesday afternoon, and you can get all the call-in information there. Even if you don't have questions, you can just call in and listen and get information. And then also you'll learn more about our fundraising event and raffle, which is taking place at our retreat site in St. Helena on August 18th, and to buy tickets and participate in that, all available at HoffmanInstitute.org. And and lots of incredible prizes on the raffle, round-trip tickets to Europe, hotel stays, more and more. Go there and take a look. All right, Raz, another great show. It's so nice to be here with you. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.